Welcome to the Learning with Lowell podcast. This podcast was created after I was going in and out of the ICU and ER, suffering from an illness, where I was able to meet the people who made the drug that would eventually save my life. And I wanted to make this podcast to show people how they can get into different science disciplines and show what are these different science, hard science type st- people doing in their everyday life and in their work. So some good examples, George Church episode where you can see what he works on and and how he thinks about things. And you're going to see a sense of who they are and you're going to think, hey, am I like that? Do these things interest me? So you can decide if you're unhappy where you are to transition to where they're at or to use what they're doing to enhance your own life. Additionally, if you like this, you should subscribe, tell your friends and follow us on Twitter at Lowell was here and check out our website at learningwithlowell.com. Today we are joined with Arturo Casadevel, who is a Bloomberg Distinguished Professor of Molecular Microbiology and Immunology at John Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. He has been cited over 50,000 times um, and really a fascinating person. In this episode, we get into his research on fungi and ionizing radiation. This interview happened a couple of months ago, but it's really interesting to see and talk about like one aspect of you know fungi, radiation, and his interest in them. You'll come away with it from this interview with uh, recommendations on things to watch. You know what's interesting about fungi that you haven't really think about, other than just you know that they exist and sometimes they're a nuisance. But um, there are also a lot of really interesting benefits to them as well. So this is a, a great episode if you're interested in learning more about fungi from someone who knows it very very well. And so without further ado, I'm gonna. The first question involves his research. I'll cite it in the show notes. Uh, I read your article. It was very fascinating for a variety of reasons. The one thing I'm really curious about is this idea that when the radiation, when there's more radiation than normal, it seems that they will grow melanin. Fast. They grow faster. They grow faster, and then they right. also grow melanin. Or the the way I read it, maybe I, I misread it, but the the melanin isn't on the surface before the radiation. No, it's the melanin is often constitutive. It's there, and if you think the way to think about melanin is think about this pigment. Mm -hmm. That the reason that it's black is because it absorbs all light, but that absorption carries into the high energy radiation. Mm -hmm. So what we think is happening is that this pigment allows it to capture it, and then some of that radiation then can. can be used by biologically for biologically useful energy. The have you have we figured out how it's able to do that on like a, like a genetic level or on a deeper level? Do we do we understand the the process? Are we still in the you know figuring out and tinkering with it to, to figure out the actual? So so the capture of the radiation part would not can it's not at the genetic level. That would be at a physical level. Yeah, it would be at the level in which. Uh, you know, uh, these this com- very complex structures are able to interact with high-energy electromagnetic radiation. And when they do so, they we have shown, for example, that melanin is a stable free radical, that is free radical population becomes in- uh, altered mm-hmm. and increased. So it can clearly interact with high-energy uh, electromagnetic the exact mechanism is not known but there is overwhelming evidence that it does and there is also evidence connecting it 
to uh, the reducing something called NAD, which is a biological uh, compound that can be used as an electron acceptor, electron donor. Uh, and so the, the pieces are all there. So the way to think about it is the high energy radiation hits melanin. Melanin is altered. It allows it to reduce some biological compounds that are then are used for energy. Do you, do you think there's like a, a convenient equation as photosynthesis, you know, it has like that long stream of things yeah. that converts out? Well, do you think it has something like that or is it a different type of process? So photosynthesis took decades to work out. Mm -hmm. uh, this is, we're not at that stage yet, but I do think that you can put the pieces in, although the details of the connections are, are just not there. That makes sense. I mean, I, I think the article that I read was not that long ago. I think it was like under five years. So it usually takes a while for things to, to go through. Did, were, did you, I suppose a question I'm always excited to, interested to hear about is like, did you know that this is something that you were going to find? Or was it completely just exploratory and like, oh, well, this is weird. And then you started digging into it. So uh, I want to acknowledge uh, my collaborator, Katerina Darachova. She's now at Saskatchewan University. Uh, this work was all done in collaboration with her, and you know I want to make sure that she totally uh, gets the credit for what was a very demanding set of experiments that uh, that she worked out. But the idea came, if you could say, is where does the idea come? The idea comes from the finding that the damaged reactor in Chernobyl has been colonized by black fungi. Mm. And this was an unexpected finding because it's a very high level of radiation. So the original idea was, oh, gee, maybe the melanin is protecting against radiation. And this is why you have all that melanin, all those black fungi growing on the walls and all that. So we looked at that, and that could not be the explanation because it turns out that fungi are already very resistant to radiation. So what appears to be a very high radiation for us, for them, this is just not a big deal. So the, so the question is, was there another explanation? And that led to, to the idea that, well, you know, melanin absorbs all this light. This is why it's black. Maybe it is also absorbing some of this high-energy radiation, and then those experiments were done. Mm -hmm. So the idea was Chernobyl, mm -hmm. the finding of black fungi. The original thought was that it was shielding, but when that was not the case, when we evaluated uh, the potential for growth. Is it, it was it found in the I think it's called the elephant's foot, like the deep within the reactor where it's so it's like this weird slag of uh, probably not describing this very well, but it's like this thing of of uh, uranium where it kind of looks like an elephant's foot, and if you if a person looks at it for more than a like if someone can see it and like look into it. Like it'll kill them in a couple of minutes because of how strong yeah, the radiation they, is. Yeah, it's just uh, for us is you get lethally radiated. But um, you know, the, the uh, some of this stuff was published by uh, Russian investigators and by uh, by some of the investigators. Apparently, the uh, robot was sent into the area and it sampled it. Mm -hmm. But if you go into the web and you put in Chernobyl fungi uh, reactor and you look at images, you will see that there are some grainy pictures of what this kind of looks like. Uh, but I don't know the answer to your question. I don't know if you find it within the reactor itself. Hmm. I yeah. do know that black fungi have been shown, have been found in the wastewater of some reactors, in the radioactive water reactors, in, in commercial, um, 
uh, facilities. So uh, there is other other areas in addition to Chernobyl. Yeah, uh, a second ago, you said that you, the original thought might have been something like shielding that the melanin acts yeah. like a shielding, but uh, apparently that's not the case. Like the I imagine the radiation keeps going through; they just get some of it as energy. If them is is that the right way to think so, about it? Or? So so the answer is that melanin does shield, but the reason that that's not the case, we don't think that that was the explanation, was because the fungi are by themselves highly, highly re- radio resistant. And the, that, the type of radiation fluxes that you see in the reactor area are simply not uh, to kill them. Hmm. So they had, we thought there may have to be another explanation. That makes sense. The, if you were to, I was trying to conceptualize things with experiments in my head. The, if you were to like take some of this fungi and like wrap it in a box and throw like a Geiger counter inside of it, would would let would and like stuck it in the same scenario would. Would it be less lethal on the inside, I guess, is the question I'm trying to ask. Like, could you test out to, to what extent it, it is able to... Shield? To, yeah. Yeah, that has been done. In fact, we have published quite a bit on that. The, the melanin has a, radi- a shielding capacity that's about half of lead. That's the way to think about it. Oh, wow. Right. So if you needed, you know, if you took a slab of, of lead yeah. and you made it twice the, twice the width or twice, uh, that will give you the same amount. It's, it's quite significant. Yeah, yeah, lead is, lead's the gold standard. The, right. I, I've been doing a lot of research into space, and ionizing radiation is one of the big things that they're looking at. And they lead is one of the options that they have, but it's not a good option, because you need like a, a foot and a half of it to stop the radiation. And it it's, it's really expensive to put up. Like, I think it's, for one of the modules that's the size of the international space station i don't know if you're a fan of space but for anyone who's listening i am i am a fan i I know i follow in fact one of the things that we've been thinking is that you know fungi could be used to shield yeah and the beauty of fungi is that you can grow them when you get up there Mm -hmm. so in a way you don't have to you don't have to ship you don't have to ship the whole thing once you once you're in orbit you can think you can think of this fantasy scenario in which you can grow the fungi in place uh they could use the radiation to enhance their growth, and then they could provide you with shielding, so you could have the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. That's, you don't have to sh- you don't have to ship the lead up. <laughs> yeah, the, that's that's one of the things that I've been thinking about as well. It when I when I originally came across your post because this idea that it's really expensive, like one of the little modules for that you'd see for the ISS to put enough lead up would be like two hundred billion dollars. So, like if you can if you can grow it in space. As long as it doesn't cost two hundred million dollars, like you're 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 saving money, and then if uh, even if you had to ship it up, I imagine is it less dense? I don't know. That's maybe a question for someone who uh, who knows space transport numbers. I mean, it's easy because uh, a friend of mine just sent me a link. Uh, I'm happy to send it to you. Uh, of uh, Mars astronauts might wear spacesuits made of fungi. Mm-hmm. So other people are are picking up on this and are thinking about the same thing. Oh, excellent! The, I want to look it up right now. But the so the, I'll send it to you right now. Oh, uh, thank you. Hopefully, Lowell. Yeah. Yep. Uh, you can click on it. It doesn't have a lot of details, but just the, just people are picking up on this. Mm-hmm. Well, it was funny. I was talking to someone recently, and I was it was just in between when I first contacted you. And our interview, I was like, "Oh, that this is a really interesting idea. Like the the it, it can. All right, you, know, you should get it. 
Yeah, it, yeah. I'll I'll uh, have an alert set up. But the I was talking to someone about it, and I mentioned like, oh yeah, fungi has all these interesting properties, and he, it can potentially block things. And they thought it was like a silly idea, like the uh, in, in the sense that I think a lot of people think that like man-made is the only way to do things, but nature has yeah. billions of years of evolution on us, like. I, I feel like there's a good marriage between the two when it comes to innovation and any problem, even when, with what we're doing now with AI or any of the advanced technologies that are coming out, like they're, they're mirroring human evolution, like how the brain is working. They, like, it's not just like uh, sometimes the, the, at least when I was no, talking I, to this person, I don't know if you've, you've, you've gotten the same sense for people, but it seems that there seems to be a little bit more of a shift where you there we're using nature and what, we can learn from nature to build and innovate in really interesting ways. I mean, nature has solved a lot of these problems yeah. uh, in in the f- three and a half billion years that it's been on the Earth. The early Earth was a lot more radioactive than it is today, and yet life flourished. And melanins are ancient pigments. So, um, to me, all the pieces are there. Yeah. Does does the is the melanin uniform in in utility in this way? So like the melanin in our skin has the same effect, or is it only presumably one? except that we only have a little bit uh, mm. compared to the amount of the fun, fungi? Fungi are really you get layers of this stuff on the outside. It's it's remarkably amount. Mm. Could you supercharge it? Like could you add more melanin to it? Yes. And, yeah, okay. You yeah. could, and you may be able to modify it by adding metals to it. Mm-hmm. There may be a lot of things that could be done on this. Yeah. I, I've been reading, I think a lot of people are familiar with synthetic biology in terms of bacteria, but I haven't seen, well, I've been seeing more and more research coming out on fungi, but like you'd think that they would be just as effective as bacteria because like they can grow and, and they're like, they're really hard to kill. I think is like, a, I don't know if you're familiar of this movie, like this movie conceptualized what I'm trying to get across, but it's called Nazca and the Valley of the Wind. It's like a, like the world is irradiated and like the fungi come back and like clean it up it's a really it's a lovely movie i don't know if you're um <laughs> no i haven't seen it <laughs> if, you, if you if you have a family or something like i suggest it but if you have time and you want to see a film that came out last year in which i i i'm interviewed extensively but um it's called the, the kingdom the kingdom uh, the kingdom and uh it it won the best science award for last year the best film in all, in, in all science, science film. And it's got, I, I actually learned a lot that I didn't know even though I've been working with fungi for, for 30 years. Uh, it's, it's very, very well done and it discusses a, a lot of theories involving the fungi in the early Earth. Hmm. It's called yeah. The Kingdom. Yeah, I was reading a, a book on the genetics of, of fungi and apparently there's, it's, it's somewhat hard to study them in a, in a, from the fossil record sometimes because like they don't they don't leave fossils yeah yeah Yeah, so like we can kind of like there's some there's been some that have been captured in amber and the the neat thing from what i was reading and maybe you can confirm this if if this book is incorrect but the they're saying that they they found samples of it in in amber and that the that we found congruent ones today and like they're not that different it's almost like they found it's kind of like alligators like they really haven't changed over over 65 years you you know once you find a good solution you keep it yeah (laughs) But the, yeah, I guess turn turn it back to to more uh, about you. Did is there is there something about fungi that originally just like as a as a concept that brought you to it? Like or I originally got involved with it because I'm an infectious disease doctor, and when I trained uh, 
uh, you know, it was the height of the AIDS epidemic, and you had a lot of AIDS uh, people with AIDS dying of fungal diseases, and there wasn't very much we could do. So I became very interested in this class of organisms, and from a medical point of view, although I would say that in later years, it's been the biology that has grabbed me. Hmm. What, like the like melanin type biology or other type of the biology? biology? Yeah, the melanin type biology, cell biology, how they grow, what how they put the capsules on. It's a lot of beauty in these systems. And the other thing about the fungi is that um, it's relatively unexplored territory. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at it, they're often an afterthought. People don't think about them. Uh, you, you, For example, in the whole microbiome revolution, uh, it was all in bacteria. People ignore the fact that there were fungi there until relatively recently. Uh, and, uh, and it gives you – we tend to have a as – a, for whatever reason, humans tend to have like a blind spot when it comes to this entire kingdom. It's, we don't think about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which is weird because the, the, first, the first antibiotic came from, I mean, other than the stuff that's on the top of uh, uh, honey. Anti- antibiotics, yeah. statins, uh, uh, LSD, uh, <laughs> all these things are fungal products. They are remarkable factories. Um, they produce a whole set of secondary metabolites. And they're involved in everything from sick building syndrome to producing to without the fungi, matter will accumulate very rapidly. They are the major degraders in the environment. It's not bacteria, it's the fungi. If you have a compost pile, the compost pile gets eaten up by fungi, not by bacteria. There are obviously there are bacteria there, and the bacteria are helping, but when you look at the relative contribution to the degradation or matter. If there were no fungi, uh, the, the, all, the, all the cycles will break down right away because there will be no way to get the carbon back, carbon cycles, nitrogen cycles, all that. They're a critical aspect on, that, on life. I think it's because they can, they can break down the, what's it called, lignin? Lin- the lignin. lignin. They, can break, they can break down everything, including yeah. the cellulose and all that. Yeah, but I, I mean, just just go in a forest. You see, uh, you see rotting trees. Uh, they are being digested by fungi. Some of the, the inside may be eaten by termites, mm-hmm. which also use microbiome to, to digest the cellulose inside. I think that's even. I, I grew up on a farm, so when it comes to thinking about the mi- microbiome and like gut biome, the to process things like that's how cows do it. Like they they have like four chambers, and then they just like like it's not like the an innate cow ability to eat them it's more like they've uh, created an environment within them for these for these biomes these microbes to be happy so they can break down the the grass and eat them and like turn it into things that they can process which is really interesting i think i think sometimes when i think sometimes at least when i was a kid i thought it was more simple i thought it was like they'd eat it and like it would break down just naturally based on their stomach acids and stuff like that. But it, it's interesting that another another creature has to come in and help out for this really large creature to exist. And everyone's kind of happy because it's a symbiotic relationship. Right. But do you do you have like a favorite fungi? Like is there like a fungi that <laughs> I have? Of course I do. The one that we work in our laboratory is known as Cryptococcus neoformans, which is a pathogen. Uh, but, you know, the fungal kingdom has maybe five, six million different species, and these things are really, really different. Uh, so just because I know one, I probably know one. Mm-hmm. The, well, what about that one? I, I won't try saying it. What about that one excites you, the pathogen? Well, Cryptococcus 
Neil Formans is the name. Uh, the reason I went to work on it was because individuals who don't receive antiretroviral therapy and get AIDS are very susceptible to it. Transplant patients are very susceptible to it. People that are immunosuppressed. It's found all over the environment, and I think what a one of the things that I went to work on it was because this is an infection that even when you take antifungal agents, the mortality remains very high, the morbidity is very high. So I was interested on it from a medical point of view. Mm-hmm. The, I, I recently interviewed George Church, who, uh, for people who don't know George Church, he um, did the Human Genome Project and invented or co-invented, I don't know the right term for this, I don't get anyone in trouble, CRISPR-Cas9, because there's some legal stuff with that, but the... Um, he he said he's been said to say that he's like a time traveler and he's like trying to make the future that he came from or at least this is the joke that's made about him, and and so I'm always curious about what the what's the future people are trying to build and if you have, like if you have like a window five ten years in the future what what are you doing today that's gonna make that future that you want to have happen exist if that makes sense so like what does the future look like in the world that your research is able to have a positive impact on. Well, I would like to be able to uh, develop vaccines against this disease so that uh, people don't become are become less susceptible to it. I would like to understand uh, the role of these organisms in the environment so I can understand better how the nature is connected. Uh, I think that those are two goals that are attainable in the next five to ten years. Is there anything that, I know for people listening in, that... That could that you need help with, or that people can do to be supportive. I, I don't know. It's- so the major thing we all need help with is that research is terribly underfunded mm. in the fungi. If you think all of science is underfunded, but the area of the fungi gets very little attention from funders, and so uh, to maintain our labs, we have to work doubly hard. Uh, that that is the case because this blind spot. Uh, extends to to funding agencies. Hmm. You'd think people would like fun, uh, fungi because mushrooms are pretty tasty. Like I, I I don't. I see a lot of my friends eating mushrooms. You think they would just pick oh you know a type of mushroom and then be. Happy. I mean I I love mushrooms too, but that's that's a different <laughs> that's a completely different sphere. I mean that's food stuff, and I'm sure that that you know that that is sustainable by by the fact that we use them and we pay for them, you know. Mm-hmm. But basic research, uh, even on the food food stuff, is it's hard to come by. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the the point I was trying to say is that the that uh, maybe the the idea that people see it a lot, they would be less re- reticent to like support it with funding. But I, I see your point. The, it is different fears, uh, spheres. The I, I think I was I was really interested. In this idea that it can can block radiation and that it can survive in these really hostile environments, and that it's one of the, it's one of the kingdoms that we didn't really know existed for the longest time. I think I think we didn't. I think it became a kingdom in the '60s or '70s, maybe the '40s. Like, I don't remember, but people used to consider them plants. Yeah, yeah, and then they they diverted it based on how they they get energy source. Like plants are straight from the sun where fungi seem to have a more diverse palette for how they get, and in some cases, radiation, as, as you found. The, mm-hmm. um, is there, are there things that you wish people knew more about? Since it's, since it's something that most people don't spend time to learn, 
about fungi like what are some like if you're at like a cocktail party i don't know what people do anymore but like if you're at a cocktail party and people are like i want to learn about fungi what are some of the things that you would tell them to get them excited and interested other than the idea I, that i mean it can block melanin and it can help well i i would say that uh that some of the most useful and widely used drugs come from the fungi think about the statins that are used to lower cholesterol mm -hmm. think about antibiotics the majority of them are made uh, by fungi uh, if you want to get excited about in a cocktail party, you cannot have a drink without the fungi. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they are the fermenters that give you your alcohol and wine. Yeah, the yeast, right? Uh, right. Uh, so um, they, the amazing thing is that they affect all our lives. Uh, they produce tremendous benefits, and yet <laughs> we, don't, we don't make the connection. I don't think people are sitting in a cocktail uh, party and sipping their expensive wines or something like that and thinking, you know, this was fermented. <laughs> there was a fungus fermented this stuff. Mm -hmm. the, well, I'm a big fan of honey. And the, the fun fact I tell people, which is similar to this, is that honey is bee vomit. You know? <laughs> but like people, wow. yeah. you know, people eat it. You know, it's like a, a lot of the stuff we eat is is like the the organism doing his thing and it's like the ref you know the the remnants but the, I, i'm a big fan of uh, microbrewing i haven't been able to do it myself but i've been researching enough so that one day i can do it but are, do you do you do any of that like the take no. what you've learned and you don't okay no no i i haven't done it i i'm at a stage in which uh, if i need a good bottle of wine i just buy it <laughs> <laughs> okay but the, is there because a, a number of the scientists I've talked with, and this is just an interesting thing, I'm trying to see if there's this commonality in all scientists, but a number of them also do some type of art, like some type, like Einstein, he did, he was a violinist, and a couple other people were painters. I don't know if you were an artist in any way, other than the so what I so it's interesting. I mean, I, I uh, my art is not worth anything, but I have taken to doing watercoloring uh, for my slides. So um, when I we have a result, I try to to make a watercolor out. You know how you make a PowerPoint? Mm -hmm. Well, I try to I try to make a watercolor. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of fun. Um, and, um, you know, it just makes it different. Mm -hmm. It's very relaxing to sit there and try to, to imagine a macrophage eating a cryptococcus or to try to draw a cryptococcus in some way. But that is the, it's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And I, I imagine it makes it a little bit more, I mean, less tedious like sometimes when you're making slight on my side i've made i've presented at conferences and sometimes it gets a little tedious when you're like making them so i imagine it makes it a little bit like you're saying a little bit more fun a little bit less like you know adding the numbers up which i mean it's kind of relaxing although, yeah. although although you can't although you can't like delete uh after you <laughs> after you took the the piece of paper and put on all your watercolors and you know it may not look right correcting it is not that trivial hmm. it's almost easier to start a new one yeah that's true the have you always been? I don't know how good the images are. I, I can't uh, picture one right now. But the, have you always? You can been... find you can find me in Twitter. I tweet them occasionally. <laughs> there you go. The, uh, have you always been good at that type of thing, or did you? No, I wouldn't even consider myself good at it. I just, I just, um, you know, complete amateur. It's just that, you know, sometimes just taking a watercolor and and drawing it. You know, it's relaxing. Mm -hmm. It makes your talks differently. And you're able to highlight something. And it's, in it's many ways, it, it, you can capture things that are just often too hard to do it in a, in a, in a PowerPoint slide. Mm -hmm. It definitely makes it more 
interesting. Like I think sometimes like people reuse the same images or like the cell body when they're talking about the cell body, here's the normal cell body. And then I think people kind of get into that, that like droning sense, like, Oh, the familiar. So then they start thinking about how they're going to make dinner tonight or something like that. So it, <laughs> it keeps them interested. Like, Oh, this is an interesting watercolor and it can't be that bad. I mean, people are able to look at it and be like, I know what this is. You know, like if it was like horribly like Picasso ish or something, you know, all I'm saying is like, you, you can't be that bad at, like you said, you're an amateur, but at the same time, like it's good enough to convey the message, which is, is that's hard. right. That's how, that's how I use it. Uh, yeah. So I use it for relaxation, and I used to make my talks a little different. Mm -hmm. the, are there any books or resources you'd recommend people read to learn more and get excited about fungi? I've been I've looked online, but like there's no like I like lists of like smart people saying, "Hey, here are the, the books that I would read," and you're a smart guy and you know this stuff. So is there any that you'd recommend? I recommend I rec I recommend one hour with the kingdom okay um, yeah that's definitely i'm gonna watch that later yeah today. I, I i i recommend that i think that I, if i can tell you that i learned stuff and that it was incredibly well done that uh that gives you a big introduction mm -hmm. uh, the, any anything else like other than in reading? fact i i had friends who had seen it it's been in um on on some of the airlines hmm. uh when you travel and they said i i was watching this all of a sudden you came in and gave an interview i said uh, i think that the fact that the you would this will be found as entertainment in a uh in a in you know for people that are traveling or something says a lot about the quality of it mm -hmm. oh definitely i'm i'm looking forward to it because it, just the images that are people can't see what i'm seeing but just the images that have popped up so far it looks like it's visually very well done and from the the research i've done on fungi it's very it's kind of relaxing to see them grow i don't know it's like a weird thing but like they grow in really interesting ways and it's um i don't think this is a fungi i think this is a mold or something yeah everything is in there you'll see uh they have uh they have time lapses of mushrooms coming up and it, it's just amazing it, it's just beautifully done i tell you they won the. They walked away with a big award last year, and um, it's good for. It's it's very very good for the field to have a great documentary that you can put someone and see and show it to them, and all of a sudden, in you know in an hour, I forgot how long it is, maybe ninety minutes, you get all this information, uh, in a very well done fashion. So I would start there. Oh, excellent, and I'm sure that at the end of it, they probably have like a bibliography where you can look up. That's, yeah. the, that's like half the fun of finding a good book, a nonfiction book. I'm, I'm reading War and Peace right now, and I doubt they have bibliography at the end. But the, that they'll have like resources to all that they like all the sources that they had. They'll cite it, which is really great about nonfiction versus fiction for people who haven't. So, so where are you at in War and Peace? First hundred pages. Someone t I tried reading it when I was eight, but I thought it was a little tedious. So I'm going to try and read it again because someone someone I interviewed said it's good, and so I'm in the first hundred pages. But wh why are you a fan of it? Or you yeah. get it? Yeah, I'm a fan. But I also recommend that once you finish, then you pick up Anna Karenina. Hmm. I watched the movie, but yeah, I'll... Uh... Uh, uh, because the thing about Anna Karenina is written by, obviously, Tolstoy. Mm -hmm. But you can imagine, you're really looking at Russian society separated. You're now reading about Russian society at the beginning of the, of the 19th century. Anna Karenina is at the other end. It's pre-revolution. And uh, I think Anna Karenina... Is uh, it's really really worth your time? Oh, excellent! I'll I'll check it out. I'm trying to read like one. I got my bachelor's degree. It was like a bachelor's of arts, 
And so I got, I did a little bit, you know, of this type of thing, but we never, whenever a book like this would be talked about, it's like they took all the fun out of it. Like, <laughs> it's like, have, like, I don't know. So I look, I'm trying to like enjoy it in a passion driven way. But so that'll be my next book that have you read? I don't know if this is by Leo Tolstoy, but it's called the death of Ivan Lynch. It, no, no, I have not read that one. It's, it's really small and it, it's very interesting. If you want, like, you probably read it in like an hour, but the, I, I, mm. uh, it, it's similar vein, and I think it's Russian literature. It probably is by Leo Tolstoy, but the, I, just a recommendation back at you. But so to to jump back to one one topic, I definitely wanted to talk about before we decided to <laughs> add this to the YouTube <laughs> to the the podcast is I have been really thinking about this idea of using fungi as shielding, and so it's good to hear that other people are doing it because. Yep. I mean, I grew up on a farm. I know botany, but like fungi is like a new thing to me that I've been trying to teach myself. And so what, like for someone who wants to learn more to see like the capabilities, especially in like a burgeoning field, other than this, this, this great documentary, are the things that you'd recommend that I would read or, or do to like level up my skills? I so I would, so you're living in a farm. Yeah, I grew and, up on a farm. And you grew up in a farm. And uh, what I recommend you do is, you know, there are simple books on mushroom identification. Mm -hmm. uh, get one of those books. Maybe you can get it, you know, very cheap from eBay or something like that. And then take a walk in the woods mm -hmm. and see what you can find. And uh, you may get totally hooked in the sense that the, the people are into this, into the discovery of... Uh, and looking for all the species. And uh, and then what I recommend you do is take a picture mm -hmm. and begin your own gallery. And that uh, those the combination of those two things, you know, very shortly you will be a connoisseur. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's, that's the macroscopic world. Mm -hmm. The microscopic one is obviously more difficult in the sense that you need a microscope or so. But I would start with what we see mm -hmm. and I would tell you that there are a lot of podcasts that you can do in the fungal world, just mm -hmm. in which you can see. Mm -hmm. And there are and the people who, uh, the mycology community is a really nice community. And these are the people you can talk to, and there are aficionados and all this fungi, and they can tell you stuff. I mean, some of these some of these fungi are just remarkable, and some of the things they do, um, they can, many of them fire off spores. At tremendous speeds. Oh yeah, uh, and uh, and you know the biology involved in all this. It, to me, it's just fascinating. I think I think one of them was like Mach eight. Like it like went like really fast. Like when people think of speed, they think of like maybe like a couple miles an hour. But I think it went like like ridiculously fast. I remember that. Yeah, I don't. I I know that I don't remember what the what the details are. But I know that that what they can do in terms of physics and biology is just remarkable. And it's just worth looking into that. Also, you know, the whole chemistry of, you know, digesting a tree. <laughs> How do you break down the lignin and you break down all the cellulose? I mean, they, hit, they have tremendously complex chemistry right at the interface because they got to break that material into small components so they can then take it up. Mm -hmm. The chemistry is one of the things I've been trying to level up like get better at because i i never had to take it in my entire life and i've only ever read books on it i read it for fun and so i'm trying to learn more about it from a disciplinary like discipline st standpoint the the books i've read are uh it was a fiction writer um arthur c clark or like one of those one of those people he, they wrote a book on, on uh chemistry so, so science fiction is, is very 
many of the authors from like the 60s and 70s had like advanced degrees in in science so i've been reading their books uh they're non-fiction books on the on the material to get get better on this but do you do you have any books that you read for fun like just i I always like look other than uh anna kenner karenina you know i i i have but uh but the thing about it is that you know i'm a department chair my life has become so packed that what I find is that just staying on top of my field, that is itself fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't for a while, though I have some books there waiting waiting to be read. Uh, people often send me books, and uh, I don't – so I would say I like the classics. That's why I can talk to you about War and Peace, Anna Karenina, things like that. But most recently, I've been largely focusing on work. Mm. That makes sense. I mean – you're doing really interesting stuff. That's why I contacted you. So you're you're doing something right. The, well, thank you. The well, I mean, you you I'll I'll link the article that I originally found you in to the people in um to the people listening. It's it's, it's extremely fascinating this idea that that the fungi might be able to like break down or like help with these areas that have been exposed to radiation. A person in Wisconsin, as I like prepared myself to talk with you, was was is working on a project she like self-funded it through a kickstarter type thing where her project is to break down oil spills and so like this idea like fungi have this great idea and she didn't have to do any genetic engineering to make it able to do that but her research was like supercharging it essentially so it's really interesting so you know another interesting aspect of the fungi and radiation is that the fungi by themselves have to uh have the capacity to to take up and bind a lot of heavy metals. Mm. So people have thought of using them in bioremediation. Let's say an area that is contaminated, mm-hmm. that you can in fact even take mushrooms and throw or melanin and throw it in, and it doesn't stop the radiation. But what it does is it binds to it to the biological matter, and then you can remove it. Mm. So. A, a, right. They, they basically incorporate into their biological matter. You could imagine that you have an area that, you know, there has been a spill, a dirty bomb, whatever, and that you can then bring in mushrooms and you can bring in perhaps melanotic fungi. And by physical thing, they bind the radioisotopes. And then, then you can scoop the stuff and then maybe bury it. But you see it's a it's – a, it's, it can be used in form of very interesting biological cleaning up. Mm-hmm. Could you, if it stores it so well, could you use it as like fuel again? Could you, if it's been, if yeah, it, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, that's going a little too far, but I was thinking more in terms of, of the, the utility in something as simple as their ability to, to just concentrate this stuff. And that was Dr. Arturo, where we talked about fungi and his research on microbiology, immunology, and infection. Let me know what you think of this episode, and I hope to do more of these type of episodes around a single article or topic that a person is an expert on, and uh, really get into some interesting topics, as well as get a sense of who they are at the same time. Thank you for staying around today, and I will cue you out with my outro. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. We can be found on Twitter at LowellWasHere, Facebook, and on the website, learningwithlowell.com. Also sign up for the newsletter where you can hear amazing content every Monday, new episodes every Tuesday, and new blog posts around every Thursday. Remember to share and tell your friends. Please and thank you.